Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. This is Jacob and Terry is joining me here today as well. And today we are going to be explaining the math of how Bitcoin could hit $1 million per coin. I know it sounds like a crazy idea. At the time of recording this, I want to say Bitcoin is around $38,000 a coin. Um, so we are talking a little more than 20x on uh, Bitcoin's current price, which is insane. And if it ever hit that price, I know a lot of people, including myself and Terry, would be not maybe not rich, maybe rich. I don't know. Um, we'd be um, significantly better off than we are right now. So that would be a crazy, crazy price to hit that I think would change um, a we'd lot of people's happy. lives. Yeah, we'd be it's very happy. Would, but it... <laughs> yeah, everyone who invests in crypto would be very happy if that happened. Um, but anyways, Terry stumbled upon this a little over a month ago, shared it with our team at TFF. I was just mind blown at the simplicity of this. And I'm always like looking at things from like a logical standpoint. And I love math. So to see the math and like the logic behind this makes perfect sense to me. We're going to do our best to explain it to you today. Um, but before I let Terry actually explain this the right way, I'm going to try to give you the brief overview that is up to my level of understanding. Um, and so here it goes. Basically, we're looking at um, like the market cap. Okay. A market cap is what is used um, in in the world of investing to kind of describe like how big an asset is. Um, and so generally, um, this is used in stocks. We could use it in crypto as well. And the formula is that the market cap equals the outstanding shares. I'm just going to put it in stock terms. The outstanding shares times the price per share. Okay. So in this case, what we would need to happen is we would need the Bitcoin um, market cap to hit $21 trillion. Okay. Because that would mean there's there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. So for each coin to hit $1 million a coin, you would take 21 million times $1 million per coin, and that's going to get you $21 trillion, um, which is an insane amount of money that is way above any of our level of comprehension. However, the idea is that there is, let me pull up the, the math that we've been looking at on this tweet. Um, there's currently $700 trillion of global investment assets, okay? Um, and so 700 trillion, we only need 21 trillion um, in Bitcoin for it to hit $1 million a coin. Okay, that's 3%. So think about this for a second. If 3%, only 3% of all global investment assets are in Bitcoin, the price per Bitcoin will be $1 million. Okay, 3% is not a lot when you think about it. You got stuff like real estate and stocks and bonds and, and all of that. But I'm just going to add one thing here yeah. for context. The current market cap or current share, global share of assets that Bitcoin represents is like 0.2%. So like a fifth of 1%, essentially. That's just for context. Right. Um, and it would need to go up to basically 3%. I mean, it's a big jump for sure. Like We're talking, like we said, more than 20x. Um, however, I don't think it's like, unrealistic to say that if or to say that three percent of all global investment assets will be in um bitcoin in i mean we're, we were talking last night terry i mean i asked you i said how long do you think that'll take you said 10 years right yeah. i think that's very reasonable i could see it being sooner than that oh, um, yeah, for sure because if you look at big companies um this is the last thing i'll say if you look at 
big companies like adopting Bitcoin. I mean, you look at companies like Tesla and that's like kind of the front runner, but there's a ton of tech companies that are starting to take Bitcoin and other crypto as payment. Um, and the second they start kind of adopting and holding on to Bitcoin as an asset on their balance sheet, it only takes 3% of all global investment assets to be uh, have to have Bitcoin be worth $1 million a coin. So that's the basic math. Um, Terry, you can go ahead and take it to the deeper level that I that I can't understand, but uh, that's kind of the way I, I see it. Yeah. So um, to give some more kind of backstory in the, the how, in a sense, um, by the way, I'm going to preface this by saying that I've only got about 10 minutes here to share um, a few different pointers. Uh, at the end, I'm probably going to shout out a little resource I've made about um, kind of more to, to learn more about Bitcoin and the argument for it. And even eventually, I'm still flushing it out, um, but eventually against it, kind of get to both sides of the story and different resources to learn more about the technology and all that stuff. I want to shout that out at the end if you want to do more of your own research, which I highly recommend. Um, but because of our schedules currently, um, I'm just going to talk for about 10 minutes here. So I'm not going to be able to do the whole argument, the whole debate justice. Um, there's there's plenty to say for and against it reaching a million dollars per coin uh, and for the success of Bitcoin. But for the sake of this uh, episode here and now for the 10 minutes, next 10 minutes we have and for simplicity, uh, I'm just going to be positioning myself as mostly just kind of a Bitcoin bull, like uh, generally assuming that it's going to be going up or the price it will have in 10 years is going to be higher than it is today. Uh, so from that framework, uh, from that mindset, um, to kind of get into why I am bullish on Bitcoin to that degree uh, has to do a lot with, I'll be honest, from the from the podcast episodes and the different content I've been consuming from other people who are Bitcoin bulls themselves, uh, themselves and have laid out very strong arguments. And I've just kind of been referencing their arguments and different thinking to fortify my own. But to, to start there, essentially the, the summary of all of the content I've been consuming, the idea is that Bitcoin is one of the world's strongest assets that we've ever seen. It's the most secure, it's uncontrollable by any single party, it's decentralized, it's controlled and improved by the people, it's essentially you know, of the people for the people. Um, and everyone's seems fairly unanimous that the best thing Satoshi Nakamoto could have done for Bitcoin was walking away from it and leaving it basically, quote unquote, leaderless, um, because that gives it up to the people to control and not one central figure. Because I guess the central idea is that no matter how noble a person is, no matter how great their intentions are, um, money and power ultimately always, to one degree or another, ends up corrupting. Um, that the more power someone gets, the more wealth they're in control of, um, the, the less and less trustworthy, I guess, they become, the more and more attached to it they become. And, and, and that leads into a whole deeper argument on like morality and the, you know human nature and all these other topics. But the common theme really is that in history, when a central, when a central party has complete authority over the money system and the world's, you know, the world's global app, like a reserve currency, and just kind of power over the money system as a whole, uh, they end up making decisions more for their own benefit and not for the people. And so that's, that's kind of the argument of, of Bitcoin, essentially, is that it's a computer technology, it's a computer program that is running nearly flawlessly 
for I think 13-ish years now. Um, and it's still growing strong and it's been battle tested. It's had some, I mean, it's had bad publicity at one point or another. It's had, you know, quote unquote recessions, knock it down for three, four years at a time, I guess more accurately, two to three years. Um, it's had 80% drawbacks and it's been through a bunch of splits, like, you know, it converting or uh, not converting, but uh, essentially Bitcoin cash starting like another chain. And then there's even some, um, other different types of like little Bitcoin knockoffs that have tried basically proving that people have tried to change the underlying network and technology of Bitcoin and have failed um, because Bitcoin is still king 10, 13 years later and it's still going strong. Um, there's so much more I could say in all the arguments for Bitcoin, um, but I'm kind of just highlighting some of the really underlying principles of why, why it's such a remarkable technology. And so Understanding that, you get to understand why over time, as more and more people and money enters the market, enters Bitcoin specifically, its market cap is just naturally going to rise. I mean, that's the math. When more money goes in, its market cap rises. And essentially what the math Jacob was talking about and how just the market cap increasing to 21 trillion from, I think it's like just shy of a trillion dollars right now, or it might be like 1.2 trillion. Its market cap increasing to 21 trillion seems increasingly likely as time goes on with the wider and wider acceptance Bitcoin is receiving. I'm starting to realize that more and more the recent institutions haven't really jumped on board yet is because of a lack of clarity and regulation. And so in one sense, I was in the beginning, I was always like completely against regulation for Bitcoin. So like, I don't want anyone to touch it. Uh, government's going to ruin it if they try to put rules around it, et cetera, et cetera. But now I'm getting a little bit more favorable view of regulation when I see that it's going to help its its overall adoption more. That's a very simplified argument yet again for adoption, one could say, uh, or sorry, for, for regulation to increase adoption. But finally, just to get to my main point here, I was saying all that to say that if you look at the evidence nowadays, um, there are some extremely important figures uh, moving into the cryptocurrency market. And one of my favorite sayings I learned from Mentor was or is um, watch what the smart money does, not what it says. Um, I might have butchered that, but essentially, basically, watch what the big money is doing, what their actions are, and not what their their statements are. Because you have people like Jamie Diamond from uh, from JP Morgan was extremely bearish on Bitcoin, uh, was hating on it, was quote unquote like destroying it. Uh, in the sense that he was just like smack talking it and saying it's like the worst thing to ever exist. Um, and then a couple of years later, his company completely pivots and starts like, I don't know the details, but I think they have like a cryptocurrency arm of some sort now, or they're like developing their own uh, quote unquote exchange, but they're, they're getting into the space. And that seems mind boggling from a guy who was so adamantly and passionately against it. Uh, even more recently, this one's a little more subtle. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, Charlie Munger, I, I said his name, right? Um, I think that's right. I've previously been quite anti-crypto and Bitcoin as well. However, recently, um, Warren Buffett's made a pretty significant investment in a bank, I think based out of Brazil, if I'm not mistaken, but a, a bank that is very friendly to crypto. Um dare I say, even pro-crypto. Pro so it's interesting to see that while Buffett isn't necessarily going against his previous statements entirely yet, 
he does find something in DeBank specifically that's intriguing enough to him that he's willing to put billions of dollars into it. And that's a bank that's is is positioning itself to bank the the crypto crowd essentially, um, or to to be more friendly to uh, that market as it grows. Um, the list is long, and there's there's I should have written down a whole list of, of the people who have started to dive into it. But companies like um, Tesla have been very friendly to crypto, uh, and I think Harvard and Yale if I'm not mistaken, have personal investments in it, uh, in, in crypto and Bitcoin. Uh, what are some other big ones that come to mind? I'm looking at this guy's channel right now as he kind of reports on Bitcoin news. Uh, it looks like Ted Cruz is very bullish on Bitcoin because he gave a talk on it recently. Um, it seems like more and more nowadays, people are coming out with, oh, El Salvador, the president of El Salvador is obviously quite bullish on, on Bitcoin. He made it legal tender in his country. Um, what's, Jacob, if you know anyone, feel free to shout out. Oh, BlackRock. BlackRock is, I believe, the world's largest, not hedge fund manager. What is it, like mutual fund group or just like, um, they, they, they basically manage like the world's most assets, essentially. Excuse me. Uh, BlackRock is essentially just a giant financial company. Is the best way to put it. And uh, they're already dipping their toes into the cryptocurrency waters. And the list just keeps going on. So yeah. my main point here is that while it's a little bit vague and it's still not like certain yet, um, there are very s- strong hints of very big institutions and reputable names. And the most importantly, big money entering the market. And that's why it seems more and more likely and increasingly probabilistic that Bitcoin could easily reach a million dollars per coin within a 10-year time span. As adoption increases, as, as Michael Saylor would say, as money rushes to the safest and best and most trustworthy asset on the planet, would be kind of the argument uh, for it. But with that, we're kind of running out of time here. So I'm going to go and wrap up. Um, if you guys want to dive more into kind of all of this topic as a whole and to do your own research, um, I've been putting together a little resource at bit.ly forward slash 21 bitcoins. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 21 bitcoins, plural with an S. Um, so bit.ly 21 bitcoins. Uh, forward slash 21 bitcoins is basically just a little notion page i've been putting together on a summary of these different videos and podcasts and pieces of content i've been consuming and eventually they'll have like a link to our resources page and a get started page into the little little uh doodads that might be helpful for someone that's brand new to crypto and wanting to understand what the hype is all about that's essentially what the page is for but if you guys have any questions reach out let us know we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here i uh, hope you guys found this video intriguing and maybe even encouraging if you're already in crypto. Uh, But with that, we'll go and see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it.